0: You know, there's only so many places that you can put money. So obviously you're like, well, that's dumb. You put it in a bank. Okay, so let's pretend you're the bank. What do you do with the money? Layer by layer, day by day, the world, our markets, and your life unfold. Welcome to the Laminate Money Podcast, a show dedicated to exploring our worlds,
1: the financial markets, and what it takes to build a great financial life. Both Tom Statham and Jacob Bradkey work for Fial Capital, and all opinions expressed by Tom and Jacob or any podcast guest
0: are solely their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of Fial Capital. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Tom and Jacob are registered representatives of Sanctuary Securities and investment advisor representatives of Sanctuary Sanctuary Advisors. Gill Capital is a DBA of Sanctuary Securities and Sanctuary Advisors. What is going on everybody? Welcome to the Laminate Money podcast. It is going to be an interesting episode because we are in interesting times. We are in interesting times. We have a special guest as well if you are watching this on YouTube, Noah, which you've seen Noah before, but this is Noah and I's first time together on the, the Dynamic podcast. Duo. The Dynamic plus Duo. Jacob. Plus, plus Jacob. Plus Jacob. LOL. Anyways, so we're going to get right into it because uh, this is going to be a little bit of a tricky episode. So uh, just to give you all an update, it is 10:45 Monday morning, and we're going to be releasing this on Wednesday morning, and news uh, the big news obviously is the banking crisis that we are in. And so we're going to do our best to give you relevant information, but these situations, they just fly really, really fast. So again, uh, we're going to be talking about the markets, the economy, what this means uh, for you as just uh, just an individual investor. So, um, with that being said, Jacob, give us a rundown about what just went down because it Silicon happened really fast. Bank.
1: Yeah, so this is this is kind of crazy. So on Thursday is when Silicon Valley Bank announced that they would be doing a two point two five billion dollars stock sale, New Hampshire stock sale, a fork, a forced liquidation or capitalization event. So basically they were like, we're running out of cash and we need to get money now to pay off our like, withdrawals, the withdrawals that are coming in. And that just sparked this frenzy, a bank run basically happened. And everybody was trying to get their money out way too fast. This isn't a solvency crisis. This is a
0: liquidity crisis. They just couldn't get the cash to people fast enough. The bank went under. So bank runs are very much a psychological issue. So when you think about bank runs, you've probably... You know, for the people out there, you've probably, yeah, maybe heard of them a couple times. You know, in life, but yeah. you you think about like they they usually what what goes back in my mind when I first learned about bank runs, and this probably would have been in college, maybe uh, maybe in high school, just in the Great Depression where people, you know, there's just lines of people looking, uh, you, you know, looking or, or excuse me, lines of people at the bank waiting to get their money out, and so that's what that's basically what happened. Mm-hmm. And but on your phone, but yeah. This happened because of Twitter, because of, uh, you know, digital because banking. you could just digitally get out of there. So this was a very weird, you know, uh, a unique, modern
1: bank run. Here's an interesting but, statistic, just real quick on the digital side of things. A million dollars a second at the peak was flying out of Silicon Valley Bank. Yeah. Like I, $45 billion over the course of like 24 hours. Yeah,
0: it was wild. That's that's the number that I heard as well, uh, yeah. the mid-40s to, to pull you know, if clients point out. So basically, you know, for any bank that, you know, to lose 25% of your assets in 24 hours in twenty four hours is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's a lot of people that didn't, weren't able to get their assets out. So now that was last week and over the weekend. Um, and I'm actually grateful. I was telling somebody on the phone on Friday afternoon, I was like, this is good that the weekend happen because sometimes in times of crisis, just people need a break. And obviously there's mm-hmm. a lot of people over the week, over the weekend that were working. Um, but you know, cooler heads usually prevail. And, uh, I was just, uh, you know, for me personally, I was just wondering, you know, what's going to happen? Like, who's going to step in? Is it going to be uh, a big bank, you know, coming to purchase SVB? Is it going to be, you know, the feds to, uh, you know, cover the huge amount of deposits that were not uh, FDIC insure. Sure enough, the Fed themselves came in on Sunday, but at the same time, the signature bank in New York was taken over. Gold number, yeah, yeah, was was uh, getting taken over by the uh, New York Feds. So, mm-hmm. okay, that's basically what happened. No, did I miss anything? Just oh. real
1: quick. No bailout. This is not a bailout. This was just purely the Fed saying we're going to make the depositors whole, the shareholders, yes. the bondholders, the management, they're not getting bailed out.
0: Good catch. Yeah. That yeah. was the wrong term. Yeah. Verbiage in this situation uh, is very important. Yes. The depositors are being made whole uh, debtors and yeah. and shareholders. shareholders and, yeah. yeah. That is going uh, to be to be seen how that shakes out. So anyways, um, we don't necessarily want to go into the, like the banking specifics. I would, tell everyone out there if they haven't read a decent article on you know what happened this is just a fabulous time to just read about something interesting because again you'd have to go back to 2008 when washington mutual went under for you to have you know a relevant situation where a, a big bank went under so this is just an interesting time to learn so do that we're not banking experts you know i remember uh, at ndsu taking the camels uh, or the banking class mm-hmm. so you know i'd say we have like a, a you know, a, co- a collegiate level understanding of banking. Noah, did you have that at Concordia? Do you have to take a banking class?
2: Yeah. And I worked at a bank and I actually talked to the president of the bank this weekend just to get his um, opinion mm. on it. And he uh, he had some very hot takes. But. Okay.
0: <laughs> well, uh, definitely don't say who you're talking to uh, necessarily, but uh, what, were some of your, what were some of the takeaways there?
2: Um, just risk management was just completely overlooked. Mm-hmm. Um, he said banks are basically supposed to be completely bland. Um, they just take the deposits and invest it in super safe ways, a lot of treasuries and just like ladder them. There's a lot of short term, maybe up to like seven years, as he said, the max that they would go. Sure. But Mm -hmm. it sounds like Silicon Valley was.
1: Yeah, they were, they they had very long term. And And on their books, I believe they did this uh, hold till maturity type accounting. And so if they had a 20 year bond, they marked it as par the entire time. But when they had to actually start selling those bonds before to to start funding the withdrawals, obviously they were distressed. Yes. Yeah.
0: And that's where duration can absolutely, you know, get you. And, and it it's, should be noticed, you know, for the people out there, like what banks are, how to, like how do they, how to, like what do they do? Um, you know, there's only so many places that you can put money. So obviously you're like, well, that's dumb. You put it in a bank. Okay. So let's pretend you're the bank. What do you do with the money?
1: Yeah. Right. <laughs> I was like,
0: banks make money by... Uh, you know the spread between what they pay you and what they do with the money mm-hmm. and so this is just again a, a very interesting um time to learn because you know there's just not that many places to put money and so uh you know I, I think let's just take a billionaire, for example you know you you see all these billionaires buying real estate, they buy art, they buy yachts, they buy you know four million dollar diamond you know huge diamond gem like yeah, this isn't what this isn't what they do. But this is like the stuff in the movies, right? Um, basically, what's being said when we're being shown this type of um, you know, opulence for these really wealthy peoples, um, they just need a place to put their money. Yeah, like there's th- some people have so much money that they just don't they don't have a place to put it. Now, that is the same point with banks, like they're collect all the money, but they themselves have to do stuff with it. So Silicon Valley Bank's a fascinating case study because were they managing risk? Yes, were they managing risk? Turns out, definitely not. <laughs> right, or oh, <laughs> managing well. it well. Yeah, they weren't managing it well. Yeah, and they had, um, yeah, on paper, it was just a fabulous bank.
1: Right. Yeah, because I mean, at the end of the day, when you put a dollar into a bank, you're lending it to the bank in yeah. some form or another. Like they're gonna take your dollar and do something with it. Mm-hmm. So if they fail at take what they're doing with your dollar, then you kind of bear the consequences. That's where the FDIC comes in and says, no, you're insured up to this amount.
0: Yeah, up to the 250. Yep. Yeah, per or, joint, or jointly, yeah, yeah. 500. Yeah. yeah, up to the 500. So again, highly encourage everyone out there just to read about how banks make money. And this should say, you know, I've been telling this to people for a really, really long time. Banks aren't fiduciaries. Yeah. Like they don't have to act in your best interest. Um, and this is buried in all the fine print. You know, banks are, uh, you know, banks, you don't sign up to be a fiduciary customer to a bank. Um, You know, banks sell products and their checking accounts and savings accounts are products. And uh, obviously they're heavily, heavily, heavily regulated. Um, But a lot of this is kind of like, you know, for the people who had, you know, excessive deposits, there's so much cash in the system. Uh, They got lazy. And I was telling a client earlier uh, this morning, I just called him, you know, he has a relatively large business uh, in town here. And I said, hey, you know, you're uh, just... I don't want to sound the alarm bells at all, but just you know, people got a little lax on the cash. Mm-hmm. It's not time to be lax. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the cash lax is not good. And on
2: the, can I touch on the regulation piece? Yeah, yeah. Dude. So it sounds like um, in the last, I don't know how many years, there was a um, somebody who worked at the Fed in San Francisco um, who was who then worked at Silicon Valley, and he was pushing for like less regulation on regional banks. Sure. So they didn't Mm -hmm. have to meet the same stress testing requirements that the big banks had to do. So that might've led to, the, I don't know, the, the poor risk management where they just didn't have to meet the same requirements that the big banks did. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't think they would have gotten that. I can see where they went to. And like, so when you, when you guys think about the banks, there's really the top four banks and then there's everyone else. So like Silicon Valley bank was the 16th largest bank in the country, but it doesn't even come close to to JP Morgan Chase uh Wells Bank of America and then US Bank is like it's not quite as big but it, like everything under that is a, like a quasi regional yeah you know which is interesting. so Silicon Valley Bank was huge but there's you know that's really like the banking sphere is like there's a huge jump between the 6th 7th and 8th largest banks and then the top 4 which are just right. huge so um and I think what like like Silicon Valley Bank, I mean, that was like a huge niche bank. So I could see where they wanted it. Um, and then same with Signature as well. It like it's a huge bank, but it is like a you know, it is relatively like a niche bank. They have their right. niche clients.
1: Mm-hmm. Which and when you talk about Silicon Valley banks niche, it was startups, startups, and a lot of tech startups, right? So if you if you say say you you raise fifty million dollars, where do you put that money? Oh, I'll just open a bank account at Silicon Valley Bank and mm-hmm. whatever. Now let's see, jump ahead into 2022 and, oh crap, my startup is no longer worth what it was worth in 2021. I'll just burn through my $50 million. So you start withdrawing money slowly, fastly, whatever, to make payroll, to pay your bills. And then all of a sudden, like Silicon Valley Bank, like BC stuff stopped, it was done. Mm -hmm. They didn't get any new deposits. All the deposits was just, they were just leaving. So then the poor risk management kicked in and it's like, okay, well, that's terrible.
0: Yeah, and that's where I think, you know, like people make, they try to make the best decisions they can. But, you know, if I've told you guys anything, uh, you know, people can get absolutely screwed over on their fixed income portfolios, you know, where they take, you know, and we had a, you know, we had a, uh, one of the largest um, asset management companies in the world was in our office uh, just a couple, yeah, it was that Thursday. It was Thursday. Yeah, yeah The Thursday. day that it happened,
1: but before it happened. Yeah, but before yeah. it happened.
0: Yeah. Um, and, you know, he was just talking about, like, you just gotta be really careful what side of the curve you're on. You know, if you go along, uh that can be bad and if you go short like um to be honest with you guys there's you know we heard a lot I've heard of lots and lots of people putting you know pretty significant money in CDs mm-hmm. and you know people are there you're never locked into a CD um but you know those are not uh you know protected yeah you know so you're having and that would be an issue of like oh well I'm just going to roll 6 month CDs or a year CD not a bad strategy but you know right now today it's like uh oh, I don't know about that guys
1: Right. Because you own a treasury, right? That's an asset. Yeah. And a CD is still, the bank is still going to do something with your CD yeah, deposit. Yeah, yeah. The
0: bank is going to, yeah, exactly. So that's a little bit about what's going on. Um, again, I just highly encourage everyone to, you know, take it, uh, take this time to just read about what's going on because uh, there, it's been, how many quarters? It was, a, it's been, there's a small bank, gosh, was it in Oklahoma? Kansas, that was the last bank that failed. It was like a $60 million bank. It was tiny. Hmm. I guess I don't recall. It was in 2020. That was like the last bank failure. And now it's this. So it's like this is the stuff doesn't really happen that often. Well, when you so, think about it, it, it took three days or two days. It's unreal. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I know on Friday I was just walking around the office. This is crazy. This oh, yeah. Yeah, you get crazy. you get that like pit in yeah. your stomach. It's like mm okay,
1: what are we going to do about this? Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, like what are the takeaways? So thinking about like our listeners here, so we're not going to become, there's a lot of Monday morning, uh, quarterbacks showing up here like, Oh, they should have done this, this or that. Um, so let's talk about like what this means for people. Like what's the lesson here? Uh, um, as it pertains to, you know, our clients, uh, our community, those are, uh, you know, our audience here, uh, it, What are your takeaways here?
1: Um, you know, and just know what the limits are. Right. Mm-hmm. If, if you, if you're, let's just say you're a regular average Joe like myself, right? Like I will always be covered under mm-hmm. the FB, FDIC as long as I'm doing the right things. Right. And, and ask a lot of questions, right? If you're in the bank and you're not sure if you're covered, ask them, right? They're going to tell you if you're covered or not. And, or even just talk to people like us, we'll be able to tell you. Um, so that's the biggest thing. Just make sure you're protected and you're not taking risks that you don't even know you're taking. I say that's one of the, one of the biggest ones.
2: Yeah. No, yeah. what about you? I think it's just a good reminder that this can happen. Like yeah. If, if uh, just pick any bank, if every person goes and tries to pull every dollar out today, like they can't get their hands on that today. If, if you give them a couple of days, they can sell their treasuries or whatever, and they can make it happen. But if, like, if it happens in a day, like it did here, they can't, nobody's going to be able to get the cash together. So it's, it's mm-hmm. scary, but you're, you're really safer than you probably think you are.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and that's true too and that's why uh, you know the government's stepping in and they're going to do uh they're going to do everything they can just to, you know, calm the waters because this is so scary. Uh my biggest takeaway I think is um you know, mirror you guys, uh if I were to add one thing, um you know, personally this is just how crap happens. It's like I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Oh crap, I'm not. And so when it comes to 3 days. To, yeah, 3 days, you know, taking out a 200 billion dollar bank Wild. So bad things can happen. And, you know, the um bad things can happen. And some of this was just, you know, bubbles, like the, the ramifications of bubbles bursting and uh and just being prepared. So being prepared and don't be lax on uh, you know, really don't be lax on anything when it comes to your money because um this case, you know, I think we're gonna be fine. I think the the feds are really gonna step up here to support, they are. Um, but when it comes time to you and I, you know, the Federal Reserve isn't necessarily going to like uh, protect, th- they're going to protect us, but you know, it's, it's really each man for himself, uh, each woman for herself out here. And, you know, just don't take stupid risks. Yeah. A great quote. You only have to get rich once. Yeah. Like, just, <laughs> That's right. You, you only need to do this once. So, um, all right. So, uh, so longer term ramifications here. Uh, Jacob, what's going on in the, uh, um, yeah, with so the? I think, the, I think the, the Federal
1: Reserve is going to be something to really talk about here. Yeah, right? so they're they're the regulators of the banks. At the end of the day, like they do a lot of banking, de- they make a lot of banking decisions, lots. And so it was it was kind of funny. Jerome Powell h- held his testimony to Congress on Tuesday and Wednesday. He was talking incredibly hawkish. He was like, "I think the economic data is too strong. We might have to go higher and longer, like stay higher for longer." That's
0: what we were bummed out middle of the week.
1: Yeah, we, we were God. all bummed up. We're like, oh man, another 50 basis point hike or a half a percent hike. Like, I can't believe that this is actually happening. And then Thursday rolls around. Well, and, and if you look at the futures market, that is what happened. Like all of a sudden, everybody priced this thing in. The two-year treasury hit like five and a half percent. Now come today, the two-year treasury is probably at 4%. A whole, a percent and a half decline in a matter of three days
0: on government short-term bonds. Which the move is absolutely- That I is mean, that, that is insane how much money it takes to to do that. So what Jacob said, Wednesday of last week, the economy was strong. The economy is strong. Inflation's been tricky to get down. The Fed says, we need to, we need to take more action to slow things down, to curb our, basically, let's call it our grocery bills.
1: Yeah. And then all of a sudden- the market said, "Nope, that's not going to happen anymore." It literally flipped 180 degrees. It said, "We're going to have hikes." Now it's like, "We're going to have cuts into the end of the year." There is no way that they're going to stay at the same level. And this is kind of a point too: the sledgehammer, like the Fed has a sledgehammer. Like interest rates are a sledgehammer to the economy. They're not just the soft landing. Like maybe it can happen, but interest rates, especially at the rate that they did it, it's a sledgehammer. And they were like trying; they were swinging that thing trying to find something that breaks, and they found something that broke.
0: Yeah. So in the course of like five days, we think. So there's a little bit of speculation here. Uh we should know soon what the Fed's going to do. Uh, no, next, next week. week. Yeah. Next yeah. week is when they're going to raise. So uh Jacob and I were just or cut. on cut. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um Jacob and I were just on a call with um uh with JP Morgan uh, about 30 minutes ago. And uh, you know, their 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 base case right now is is they probably won't raise. Yeah, leave and, it flat. Yeah, and then they'll just they'll they'll pause it. Um, Noah, you were on a, a separate call thirty minutes ago. What was the gist there on the Fed?
2: Did you cut? Did they, they didn't. They didn't touch on the Fed too much. Okay, it was just a total overview of what happened. Basically. Oh, of the
0: situation. Yep. Okay, yeah. So our call, yeah, we got into that, and then we got into some uh, monetary policy. That probably was because of the person who was talking. Yeah. Um. So okay, what does this mean? Uh, like, what does this mean though? So, the. You know, you know, the J.P. Morgan, their thoughts, and I think I would mirror this as well, is this will probably slow things down. Where is this going to slow things down? Uh, like what part of the economy? It's just going to be, uh, I think, in the minds of people. And then access to credit, I think, is where this could slow the economy down. All of us sitting in this room right now, like we're, we're probably going to be spending money. We're probably going to continue doing uh, what we, you know, basically like there's no change for us. Yeah. Like we're, you know, we're, we're guns a and whatever we're doing, we're going to continue doing. That was their theme. The access to credit, um, you know, could slow down. And that's, uh, mainly because of the bank's posturing. I think I'm, I'm really curious to talk about, I just talked to bankers in a few weeks. Like if you could circle back with the sure. president of the bank, um, my guess is they're just going to be like, Oh, hold on, hold on. This is, um,
1: let's raise some reserves.
0: Yeah. Let's raise some reserves for this. Um, I mean, honestly, as they should, mm-hmm. but uh, so I would, I would think, you know, this, this slows the economy down, not necessarily in, in, I think in different ways, uh, many of it, just the psychological impacts of this.
2: One, one more piece on banks, a a good, like financially healthy bank, you're probably not going to find the best rate there. Like they might, they might, you might add a, like a 0. one or 2% uh, to the, to the rate that you might find somewhere else, but that means they're they have tighter regulations within the bank and they're being smarter about which risk or which, uh, which loans they'll offer to people. And- yeah.
0: I've always told people from like where to bank, people are like, Tom, where, where, where do I bank? What's your strategy? I have a banking relationship at US Bank, which is a huge bank. And then I have a, a, a local bank because sometimes like you want, like if you need money, you want to be able to get money. Like if you want to use a bank service, you have to have a good relationship with a banker to get what you want, even yeah. if it's more air quotes risky. Uh, so I think that's how I've told people to play it is, you know, have, you know, don't have one bank for sure. Like, you know, be able to play between the different banks, um, because sometimes, you know, uh, where the bigger banks, maybe the more conservative banks, uh, that's going to be good for the safety of the bank itself. But if you do need money. You know, like what do the startups do? If you need money, where do you go? Silicon Valley Bank because they're the ones that actually help the startups. Yeah. And like startups are super risky. Normal bank. So it it um this is like an interplay between like what what serves the bank's interest. What do you need as a consumer of a bank? Like if you just need a p- place to park your paycheck or like have a million dollars, like you know go to a huge bank, right? Yeah. For, if you do that, just <laughs> like go buy treasuries. Um, so. But I think, yeah, that's like an interesting, like, what do you need your bank to do for you? Yeah. And uh, because another thing, too, is like banks do, they do help people. And if it is, yeah, they do help people. It just depends on how you need. How was that for, how was that, Noah? Oh, that response? was a good add-on. Huh? <laughs> I didn't,
2: I, I didn't word my, my idea that well, what you way. Yes.
1: Well, yeah. 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 JP Morgan's too big to fail, right?
2: If JP Pretty Morgan much, went yeah.
1: under, you're definitely safe yeah because there's going to be a bailout of that
0: yes so one thing that i think has been pretty consistent is the you know everyone we've talked to have said the commercial mortgage the commercial real estate space is going to be a little iffy mm. um i don't know i don't know if i have a lot of thoughts on that but the reason i'm just saying it here on in a video of you know format is to Uh, You know, if that is you, you know, if you do have interest rate sensitivity, and I think that's why all these uh, these macroeconomists are talking about this is because of the interest rate sensitivity. But I think what's changed is, you know, interest rate policy. You know, this might be it. Yeah,
1: this could be the This, this could be the pivot.
0: Yeah, this literally could be the pivot. Yeah.
1: I mean, Josh Brown. Predicted it. He had a, a a post that came out. I think it was over the weekend, maybe, oh, but I it was see
0: that day. It yet. was in
1: my email because I subscribed to his newsletter. Oh jeez. And uh, he he basically it, he named he named it top.
0: Okay. And then basically said that this is the top of okay. the interest rates. Yeah, I could see it. I can't. Gosh, I can't see. Yeah, I I, I really can't see them raising again.
1: Yeah, I like, don't know. I think I, I think that they could do like a confirmation. We've done enough twenty five basis point hike. Just one more, one more tiny hike just to make sure that they got it, hold it for a little bit. I feel like they could do that. I don't think they're going higher than that.
0: Yeah. It's interesting because they're data dependent. I know.
1: And what are they looking at? They're not (laughs) looking at banks. They're looking at like economic data. If inflation comes out next or tomorrow and it's like super cool, I think that they're it's pretty much all but done that they're not hiking. Yeah. If it comes out and it's hotter than expected, I don't know. The story might be different.
0: Yeah. Again, this doesn't like the, the reason we're talking about this is does this like impact portfolio today? Not really. Like, yeah. the not, pricing is done. Not really. Um, this is what's what's interesting about this is like on the short term, in the, within the like within a week or three weeks, you know, it's sentiment is everything. Fundamentals mm-hmm. don't really matter that much. Um, over the long term, obviously the longer we go out, fundamentals matter more and more and more and more when it comes time to portfolio management. Um but this is all, you know, sentiment and.
1: Are we at max bearishness? Yeah. I mean, I, it certainly feels like it when mm-hmm. you can't go anywhere and, and everything that's trending is like awful news. Yeah. And this is certainly something that really hits people home because it deals explicitly with money. Right? Yeah. And banking crisis is people's
0: savings accounts. Yeah. Yeah. You never want to touch with the banks. Yeah. Boy, I don't know.
1: Cause I don't think the headlines would have been as big if it was Coinbase goes under oh, or for sure. like yeah. something like rant more random, you know, or like a tech company goes under, like, I don't, the headlines would have been there, but it wouldn't have been like, everything is terrible. And that's mainly cause it's a contagion, right? Yeah. If you're, if you were a person that held deposits at Silicon Valley bank, like where are you going to go?
0: Are you going to pull money
1: from other places? Is yeah. everybody else going to do that too? Who knows?
0: Yeah, and right? I think one of the reasons I was telling you guys this morning, one of the reasons why the banks are trading off so much, um, like here, look, look up, uh, look up some of the regionals right now, like what they're what they're trading at. One of the reasons why they're going down in value so much is, uh, you know, customers, big customers that that make up the majority of the deposits. Uh, and again, I'm just going to make a caveat here people are rich, companies are like significantly richer. You're like, oh, I make $300,000 a year. Imagine the company who pays you, who has a hundred other employees (laughs) that make 300,000 a year. It's like companies, that's where the cash is. Governments, institutions, and, you know, institutions, that's where all the money's at. So all of these people are buying treasuries right now. Yeah. And they're not. Like the bank isn't getting that money, <laughs> right? Because the bank is just going to buy treasuries with the money you're giving
1: them. Yes, right. yeah. And it's then like, if you own your own asset, then not the, much can go wrong. Exactly.
0: Right? Yeah, that's what's happening right now. So that's one of the reasons why the banks are trading off right now is is all that that interest. Um, you know, that's basically pure profit um, for the bank. Is it's literally disappearing as, as I'm you know talking here.
2: Right.
1: Yeah. So the the U S regional banks ETF. Off like thirteen percent today. Yeah, I think uh, the other one, First Republic, is down like sixty over sixty yeah. percent today. Gosh, that's wild. That one's had some major swings though because it was also down sixty percent on Friday, mm-hmm. and then it recovered like it was only down seventeen percent by the end of the day. Yeah, it
0: that is a swing. That is a swing for sure. For sure. Again, I don't think this is going to necessarily affect the economy too much. I think the as every, long as they stop it. Is, right? Yeah, as long as they stop it. Uh, the uh, FDIC has a new, they, they had a new fund come out over the weekend for, uh, banks. If they need capital, you know, they can tap, they can tap the line, which, I mean, that's essentially like all the money goes into the fed anyways, uh, from the bank, mm-hmm. from the banks, uh, just from a, uh, just a capital requirement standpoint. So, um, all is not lost, but, but I do think a lot of, um, a lot of people are learning about duration risk and interest rate risk yeah. here. And also a note to be said. So um, we spent 15 years solving the financial, uh, the, the, the great financial crisis from a capital requirement perspective. What, what they, the problem here was interest rate risk. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, a, so my guess out of this is like, we're going to have, we're going to have, um, there's going to be some sort of like duration interest rate risk play here heading out of this from a bank, from yeah. a stress test perspective.
1: I really think and, uh, one thing to really highlight here, because I'm sure people are getting hit with the news that's like, oh, this, is this like 2008 again, right? And I think the main difference, 2008 was solvency. Like banks, the assets on their books were just bad. Yeah. And today it's liquidity, right? They just can't get access to it. So it's not the same thing, but there's going to be a spin to make it almost look like it's the same thing. To I mean- the Vix gets clicks, right? The more the more fear you can instill in people's brains, the more they're gonna pay attention. But this is this is not the same, although it might feel like it.
0: Exactly. Yeah, I don't think this is t- systemic, but things like this can get systemic if everyone just starts taking out their, their banks and become their own banks mm-hmm. by you know buying treasuries. Yeah. By no means is this good. Yeah. For us, but yeah, not quite a repeat. So what we're doing on the inside here is you know in times like this in my head and what we do here is we literally just take it day by day. We usually sit on our hands. We take it day by day. You know, we're, we're doing this podcast, you know, this kind of special format podcast just to get this information out uh, to our clients, to our community. Um, You know, we just take it day by day and you know, we don't want to make any significant changes based off of these news because again, the farther you go out, the farther your timeline, uh, the more things trade on fundamentals. And, you know, the less you need to react to things like, you know, so things like these, mm-hmm. you know, leave it to the hedge funds to be trying to time getting in and out of First Republic. Yeah. Um, but it is a good time to just, you know, question your strategy constructively. Yeah. Yeah. The more you change, the more you open yourself up to mistakes. To mistakes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So, um, what else is just going on? So, uh, aside from the the banking issues here that, I mean, that's clearly what's driving the markets right now. Um, And actually have-
1: interesting point on that. The payrolls report came out on Friday. Nobody cared.
0: Yeah, I know.
1: I know. That's like one of the most, that was like one of the most watched like economic variables for the last 12 months. It came out on Friday. It was like actually hotter than expected and nobody cared. It was it made zero yeah. headlines.
0: Which is funny. I'm actually going to pull that up because was, I saw it, but.
1: Yeah, 311,000 jobs
0: versus like the. What was the consensus? Like 200. 200, 200 and gosh, something, a little over. but... So for everyone's like, where are these jobs coming from? Uh, they're, well, first of all, they're not coming from tech yeah, they're and restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, uh, the jobs that uh, the. For all these startups that like may not make payroll here, they'll probably make payroll. Maybe they'll miss one payroll, whatever. Uh, they're not. All these jobs that are being created are. Uh, They're not necessarily like white collar jobs. They're um, hotels,
1: bars, restaurants, manufacturing, right? It's all the people that couldn't get job, get workers before all of a sudden, all these workers are like, oh, we need jobs again. Mm -hmm. Well, this is the only people, these are the only people that are hiring. I guess I'll go there. Yeah. Right. I think that's kind of like what's happening because if you look in like business professional services, like nobody's really hiring that much like information. No. Yeah. services, the services side of things, like there's a ton of people going into bars, restaurants, hotels, yeah, stuff like that.
0: Yeah. And I mean, honestly, you can make some pretty good money, you know, doing those, mm-hmm. doing those jobs. You're yeah. not necessarily like career type of Especially jobs, right now say. when
1: you have so much leverage as an employee of one of those places. Like, I don't know. I think I was at Target and they had a $18 an hour. Like you work overnight shift Yeah. at Target. Take your hour. I'm sure that you get sign on bonuses and yeah. If you wanted to work Eighty hours a week, they'd probably let you work eighty hours a week.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. okay, here's what. Okay, let's put our Federal Reserve hats on right now. So, the I had a LinkedIn post that went live an hour and a half ago. We are at the lowest unemployment rate in fifty three years. I think I got that right. And we're about to pause interest rate policy.
1: Yeah. And inflation's
0: still at. And, and inflation is 6%. still yeah high. So again, Dr. David Kelly, who we were just listening to from the chief strategist at JP Morgan, um, you know, he he was saying that he was like, no, 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 it's just like, how fast will it fall? Like, how fast will, um, you know, will inflation fall Mm -hmm. from here, Mm -hmm. particularly on the wage side? Um, So, no, if you were the Fed, what would you do right now?
2: I feel like it's a really good time to wait and see. Mm -hmm. Um, Give it a beat. Feel like we haven't taken a break in a while. We can just like feel out how this Silicon Valley Bank thing and the other banks are how how that situation's going to unfold. And just it's okay if it if it goes another month. That's it it might hurt a little bit, but we we can just wait, push it off until the next meeting. I don't see a problem with that. Ditto, Jacob. What about you?
1: Gosh, I don't know. It's one of those things where it feels like a a zero percent situation where they're just not going to do anything. Mm But at the same time, I almost feel like if I was in the Federal Reserve seat and I was looking at inflation and I was looking at the labor market, <laughs> I would say, we had a hike. Yeah, for sure. Like, that's what I that's would what
0: say. The de- that, that's what the data says. Like, that's and so what, yeah. Federal
1: Reserve Chair Jacob Radke would sit there and have to say, with all this stuff that's going on, I know it looks really bad, but based on the two variables we're mandated to look at, we have to hike. Okay. And then by, by how much? 25 basis points, although it feels like they won't do that because they are data driven on like kind of forward expectations and they're doing their SEP. So if I had to guess, I would say that they're going to drop or I guess I should I should be speaking in the first person. Yeah, I would drop as Fed Chair Jacob Radke. <laughs> I would I would drop the I would drop those expectations pretty dramatically. And that would usher in like cuts in the future. Right. My, my yeah. expectation of inflation would be falling. My expectation of employment would be falling, I guess, or unemployment would be rising, and that would usher in cuts in the future.
0: I'm with you. I think the pa- the waiting, the the pause and the pause, just take a second, take a breath. It's, it's the right thing to do when they're looking at their data. So, if you guys can imagine the Fed and their job, you know, they have an enormous amount of information coming, you know, really daily about the the health of the financial system when. When all these, these, uh, these women, these men, when they get together, they talk about what's going on and what their goals are. I guarantee you they weren't like, yeah, let's kill the 16th largest bank in the country.
1: Definitely not. Definitely
0: not. So now that they did, you know, I have to imagine like, they're like, okay, did we, like, are we done?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I almost wonder, like, so some of the really hawkish Fed presidents like Bullard and, whatever those really hawkish guys i wonder what they're thinking right now yeah because obviously the ones that have been pounding the table on like no i think we've done enough we've done enough right like stop i think the san francisco fed president was like that like maybe neil kashkari minneapolis fed was i think he maybe was one of those guys i wonder what i wonder what they're thinking and i wonder what the like super hawkish like we need to raise rates more guys are thinking
0: yeah well congratulations you just killed the bank (laughs) yeah right (laughs) it's like hmm well, and it's like, they didn't kill it, but it's like, they, you know, the...
1: I mean, the, the implications of how that bank died was because of rising interest rates. Yeah, which yeah, was, duration
0: risk. And, and Which
1: is like the magic switch, the mm-hmm. sledgehammer of interest rates controlled by the Fed. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Crazy. Just print more money. Just print get, more money. <laughs> get your printer out, Jerome. Yeah.
0: Well, and that's what, you know, that's what happened when they, they tapped this new...
1: Yeah, they printed um, like, more
0: money. Yeah, how, like how, how the Fed's fixing the system right now is it's just liquidity.
1: Yeah, zero taxpayer dollars, but when you think about it, it still is a tax. It's an, an inflation tax. When mm-hmm. they print more dollars, your yeah. dollars buy less. Nothing's free. Yep. Nothing's free. It's a different type of tax.
0: Yes. So, that's how they fix this problem. And really, that's how you fix any financial problem is liquidity.
1: Yep. Offer up some. It's so like,
0: oh, if you're if you, enough, if you don't have enough money to make your mortgage... Well, you just need some more money. (laughs) Like don't have enough money to retire. Well, what, what would be a good fix?
1: More money. Just more money. Just,
0: you know, that's liquidity fixes everything where people get screwed up is just the timing of it. And that is like, this is, you know, been doing this for what, you know, a little over 10 years now, you know, this is one of the largest mismatches between, you know, timing ever. They had a, they had a a book full of treasuries to offset their, the liabilities, deposits are liabilities on a bank's balance sheet. And you know, they would have come the, you know, if they were 85 cents on the dollar, they just waited it out. They would add hundred percent.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, this was, a, this was an interesting line. It was like, if everybody would have just chilled out, the bank would have been just fine. Totally. And it's, that's yep. literally right. Like nobody would have had any issues if everybody would have slowly done everything as normal. But yeah, that didn't happen. No, the system is in place. That's not how humans work was the end of that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, let's wrap it up here. This was um, this was really just a special episode. We wanted to bring uh, uh, you know Noah on just for some of his perspective as an advisor. Uh, Dan passed the CFP. Everyone. Well, uh, oh, maybe not official. We have he's got to yeah. get the official stamp. Yep. Got the preliminary approval. Yeah. So. He
1: got the preliminary pass. Preliminary Prelimi- pass. Yeah. Let me just get that word down.
0: So he's on vacation this week. Well deserved. So, anyways. Um, if you guys have any questions, please reach out to us um, at our email listed below. Um, if you guys aren't subscribed to our newsletter, as well, we're gonna we're gonna link that below. I think uh, I'm gonna rewrite the newsletter today for next. Oh yeah, it's gonna be. I've already written it, but it's gonna be a hot one. So this is gonna be a good one. Um, thank you, everyone, uh, for your time and attention. Noah, thanks for coming on. Chris, thanks for producing. On uh, the background, Jay Radke, uh, you know, Chair, Chair Radke over here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, it's been real. Uh, thanks for your time. We'll see you guys next week on Lime the Lime of Money Podcast.